how a 19-year-old entrepreneur builds a business around his passion for fitness and performance. This is the Early Days Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. My name is Marin and together with my co-founder Julian Samarjeev, we interview fellow entrepreneurs about the topic of building a business from scratch. We go behind the scenes on some young and not very well-known companies and share the stories of entrepreneurs who are on a similar journey as ours. Maybe you're wondering, what is this? Well, our company is called Duluware and we're building an apparel company. We're building actually something much bigger, but you can check out more what that is on wearedulo.com. Now, without further ado, I wanted to go into the introduction of our guest today. His name is Anthony Meller from the UK and he's the founder of Absolute Fitness Apparel. Anthony is 19 years old and he started a one year ago his apparel business. It was a fun conversation mostly because uh, it's from someone from a similar industry as we are and we had a lot of common topics to discuss. We had some our own experience, of course, to reflect when we were recording the show. So we're going, we go really behind the scenes of the story of Anthony, how he started the business, how he's thinking about marketing and what are his future plans for it. We have some really, really fun and interesting uh, stories and tidbits there about especially using affiliate marketing for growing brand awareness and the business itself. Go to absolutefitnessapparel.co.uk to check out more about the company. Now, without further ado, here is our episode. Okay, so um, essentially I'm a 19-year-old um, who just decided that I really wanted to get into the um, active wear scene. Um, I always had a passion for fitness and for um, fashion, and I just decided why not blend the two and try and create a brand that kind of hits the industry from a different angle. Um, I watched Gymshark, the likes of those those bigger competitors for quite a while, um, whilst kind of deciding, you know, what my USP was going to be and, and how I was going to kind of how I was going to kind of take the market because it is obviously, as you know, a very competitive, very competitive sector. So, you know, I was kind of researching for a while, looking at what I wanted to do. And, um, and then after that, I finally decided to launch. Um, we launched early 2017, um, the end of January 2017. Uh, we launched our first line, which was literally just two products, um, one of which had like two colorways, um, and the other one was just one. So, um, yeah, that's just a brief introduction of kind of everything we've done so far. Um, yeah. And uh, why did you decide Aparo and not supplements or anything else in in this uh, fitness and wellness industry? Um, I think more so that I kind of, I always kind of thought that supplements sounded a bit harder than clothing did. Um, <laughs> again, like kind of when I came into it, I didn't really know anything about the industry. I didn't, I didn't have any idea how to first of all find a supplier or, um, you know, how to go about sampling. I had no idea. So I was just kind of doing as much research as I could. And as I'm, you know, I'm sure you can kind of sympathize. It's, it's quite hard to find suppliers through Google and the likes of those kind of places. Um, and that's probably the most common question I do get is uh, from, you know, people trying to start their own brand is, is how to source suppliers. Um, but I think that kind of the fashion, the fashion side of it was just a little bit more of a passion of mine. I've never really had a passion for making supplements. I personally find that supplement companies tend to um, mislead consumers by telling them, you know, this fat loss product is going to, you know, lose you X amount of, of kilos or pounds a week. And I didn't really want to be involved in that. Um, so that's, that's essentially why I feel like people view that supplements are 
you do more than they actually do and kind of miss out that that keyword which is obviously supplement um so that yeah that's why and uh, yeah just to ask that frequently asked question again how did you can you just take us through how you went about uh, manufacturing and finding a manufacturing partner yeah so um initially i did kind of go through google tried to find as many suppliers as i could um i did ideally want to stay within the uk but all the suppliers that were in the uk that i found either never got back to me or their minimum orders were really really high um so i ended up finding one supplier um which was essentially he was like a middleman within the uk and dealt with as uh, main supplier in china um obviously i was paying for those services but it did kind of save a lot of headache initially because uh, obviously there was a lot of other logistical issues that I was having with launching a website and getting everything up and running. Um, and it kind of saved me a little bit of headache and time. Um, so yeah, essentially I worked with them on the first line. Uh, and then after that, I moved over supplier. It's funny because actually the supplier that I'm currently working with actually messaged me on um, Instagram. And yeah, I, I always say that to people. If, um, if anyone ever asks, I always say, you know, if you get social media accounts running like LinkedIn, Facebook, um, or even Instagram, that most likely you will get quite a few suppliers message you. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how we came about. And and at the minute we're working with two different suppliers, mm. both of which uh, we found through Instagram. And how did you go about sampling and developing the, the line before you actually launched? Um, so our first line was it was very basic um, there wasn't really much to the products that we released. We only went through, I think it was two samples, but coming towards the later part of these products that we've just released in February, um, it does take quite a lot of time. We were sampling back and forth for about three and a half months to perfect this line. Um, and so essentially, obviously what we'll do is we'll get the first sample in, um, we'll send a design over and that will turn into a tech pack, send that over to the supplier with as much detail size and everything as we can. Um, as again, I'm sure you can aware, nothing ever runs smoothly. Um, and you know, you'll get a product and it'll either be exactly what you think it will be or vice versa. So, um, from there, I just kind of make as many adjustments as need be. Um, I try and be really, really specific with it when I contact the supplier to avoid, keep going back and forth. Um, but yeah, just kind of until it's perfect and then we get our pre-production sample and then, and then we move forward from there. How did you manage to to fund the initial sampling process until we got to market and even now? Um, so I, I literally saved up £2,000 over my A-levels, which is what I launched the entire brand with um, at the first stages. So I cut back a lot of costs away from sampling, kind of like with web development, just by learning it all myself. Um, most, of, most of that £2,000 did go on samples and on the products themselves um, because of minimum orders and stuff like that. Uh, but now I work full time on this. Well, I work full time and this is, is my like side hustle that I'm hopefully going to take up full time soon. Um, so it's just a case of saving up for my wages. Um, and then when it gets to the point, I am constantly sampling. Um, but I've, I'm kind of in a business relationship quite now with my supplier, which I'm pretty lucky where, um, he sends me samples for free because he knows that I'm, I'm just going to order straight away. Um, and I've, I've told them that I'm going to order six launch, uh, six lines this year, um, if they can keep up with the pace. So yeah, I'm, I'm in a pretty, pretty fortunate situation right now. So you launched in January, 2017, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you had the website ready and the first line was also ready or you, that was still in development? 
No, so the, the the line launched, our first line launched, which was, it was the 21st of January, 2017, we launched, and that was the line and everything. Um, the website was ready from about, I want to say around November time, um, November, December, it was kind of coming to the final stages um, of being of being created. And the social media handles, I'd had Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for probably the best part of five months beforehand just kind of trying to get engaging content out there to grow it organically. So when it came to launch, um, I had that kind of platform to, to promote the brand. Um, so yeah, the entire lo- uh, line and brand launched um, in January, 2017. Okay. And how did you go about getting your very first customers? Um, again, that's another question I get asked a lot. Um, I think I just was kind of persistent. Um, I really wanted to get an affiliate marketing program started from the beginning, which I did. Um, and I feel like that really helped out getting, you know, the name, the brand out in the beginning stages. Um, so a lot of people ask, you know, they say, you know, I'm like a month in, two months in, I still haven't had a sale. Um, it's just kind of looking at marketing, what works, what doesn't work, trial and error. For me, because I already had those social media handles um, and I'd grown them for five, six months, I, I think I already had maybe about three, 4,000 followers on Instagram at the time. Um, so that converted into you know a few sales on launch day and just went from there really you mentioned in the, in the beginning that the that scene the the fitness scene is quite competitive and uh you also said that you take a different angle on that industry can you just take us through that and how you're looking at branding wise and positioning the company in a different way yeah sure so um kind of in the beginning of 2017 I was trying to feel out the industry, see what worked, see what didn't. So um, we recently rebranded um, in the beginning of 2018 this year. And essentially what we're, what we're trying to do now is rather than focus on um, general gym goers like we were throughout the whole of 2017 is we've kind of changed more into like an activewear brand now. So providing athletes with activewear that is versatile across different sports and in the gym. Um, so... For example, our most recent line we released um, uh, is like a versatile line. So essentially different aspects of the products we created apply to different sports. So we have reflective print, which is obviously great for like a late night runner, um, but the products are still fitted and have panels which complement your physique if you go to the gym. Um, You know, they're like sweat wicking materials, which is obviously brilliant across any sport, uh, those kind of things. So um, different aspects kind of bring one product together um, and yeah, so that's kind of the angle that we're trying to hit the market from, um, is just saving consumers time and money by creating one product that kind of does a lot. Um, but also marketing it in a way so that, and branding it so that they know that it's essentially for, you know, combat sports, for running, for gym wear, that kind of stuff. And when you were starting, what was your niche, uh, target customer? Um, well, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a niche. Our, our general, um, consumer market when we started was, um, was 16 to 30 year old males, um, who were just general gym goers, um, at all kind of levels of, of gym. So it would be people who competed in, in bodybuilding shows all the way down to, you know, your, your general three time a week gym goer. Um, that was at the beginning. It's more recently changed now to 18 to 28 year old males who compete in who use um, the gym to aid performance in sport. So perfect example of that would be like a 100-meter sprinter who you know goes to the gym and does squats and leg, leg work to kind of build strength. 
And can you take us through how you, you're thinking about that and then how you're translating that and communicating that on, on the different platforms that you're marketing on? Yeah, of course. So that's kind of where it becomes a little bit tricky. Um, so I think that when, when we went for the massive rebrand in the beginning of 2018, the first thing I'd done, which, which I feel really showcased what these products were to be used for, was we created a promotional video. Um, it was around a one minute, 20 seconds long on Facebook and obviously a minute for Instagram because that's what you limit it to. And um, that showcased an athlete from running, transitioning into um, gym work and then into boxing and those kind of things. So that was kind of the first piece of content I put out that was really aimed at showing the consumer what these products are for. Um, but every photo shoot we have, we try and go to different locations and get athletes to um, so we have things like we'll, we'll take Olympic rings with us and we'll get one of the athletes to do some stuff with the Olympic rings. Um, and then we'll take some boxing pads and stuff like that. And it's just kind of showcasing rather than showcasing every single thing it's used in one piece of content throughout the whole of our Instagram page, Facebook and Twitter and those kind of um, platforms that we're on. We're trying to showcase that it's for all these different sports, but link it well together. Um, so that yeah, that's essentially how we did it initially, and still in still in the stages of kind of finding effective ways of communicating that message to our consumers. All right, nice. And you mentioned several times that you had affiliates and also different athletes that you used in your marketing, and this was a major part of your marketing strategy. I wonder yeah. if you've done any official collaborations or partnerships with uh, a well-known or an influential figure or an athlete from the industry. Um, we've used influencer marketing um, to kind of get our name out there with bigger names, um, but we've not officially signed up anyone um, onto a sponsorship contract who is a big name yet. Um, that being said, we're kind of in the process at the minute of talking to a couple of big names, um, but obviously I don't want to say too much yet because nothing's, nothing's sorted. Um, but we haven't, we haven't really done much yet. We just really wanted to focus on the affiliate marketing and kind of making sure that the affiliates get as, get as much out of the program as possible and um, really creating a community around that affiliate program. And how do you go about to actually contacting, finding affiliates and creating the, this community? Um, so I always try and get, um, again, because we now on Instagram have 15,000 followers um, and on Facebook have just over 5,000 Facebook page likes. Um, I'll always kind of post maybe a story or a post and say, you know, we're looking for, ambassadors affiliates and then sometimes go out of my way and message people as well but ideally i would kind of like that level of interest from people um i then go forward and explain to them you know what our program's about how it benefits them and all those kind of bits and if they're then interested i then get them to sign up to our referral link um which provides them with a personal link and then from there we kind of sign them up um so it's kind of gaining that interest from them initially um putting a piece of content out and seeing who who comes back and then whoever comes back, we kind of explain what happens. If it's not for them, you know, we say fair enough. Um, but if they do, if they are interested, then obviously we take it further and, and get them signed up. More, more on the operational part, uh, is it just you running the whole the whole company or is there a team behind it? No, it's just me at the minute. <laughs> Busy. And how, how do you manage... Uh, Let's just discuss time management a bit. How do you manage to to squeeze all that work in, considering you also have another full time job? Um, that's kind of comes down to priorities, I guess. Um, every morning when I wake up, I do shift work as well, so it becomes even a little bit more difficult. Um, but whenever I wake up, I know what needs to be done and what kind of I can take my time with. Um, 
whenever I come home from work, the first thing I do is open up my laptop and, and crack on with the things that need to be done. Um, and I just try and utilize my time as well as possible. Things like listening to podcasts when I'm driving obviously saves me having to listen to them in the other time, those kind of things, small things here and there that all do make a difference in the long run. Um, but in, in terms of general time management, it's just literally waking up in the morning and making a list of what needs to be done that day and making sure that I've got enough time to get it done. And if I don't, then obviously make sure it's on my, on my first to-do list the next day. Can you maybe share a little bit about the tools that you're using to actually run your business? Um, do you mean in terms of like applications or yeah, in terms of the applications, the platform? I saw that your website is on Shopify, just as yeah. ours is, and but maybe your referral or affiliate program, what's it's running on, email marketing, all these type of tools that make help you prioritize and run everything efficiently with the limited time resources that you have. Of course, yeah. So that kind of comes back to the time management as well, is, is creating that efficiency and, and having processes in place that help take a little bit of the weight off my shoulders. Um, so like you said, my website is on Shopify. Um, a lot of the kind of refer, like, for example, affiliate links, email marketing, all those kind of things are all with plugging apps from Shopify. So I use um, MailChimp for my email marketing, as I'm sure most companies do that are on Shopify. Um, I use an app called Refersion um, for all of my affiliate referral links um, that tracks commission and everything automatically pays out any commission that's owed to an affiliate, uh, as well as giving me reports that I can then pass on and you know give to affiliates. So it tracks clicks and everything. It's really, really helpful. Um, obviously, uh, things like order, you know, small things like order printers, um, order printers app which is on Shopify as well which allows me to print the order for the person when they're buying it um, I mean that's pretty much it I don't really I don't have anyone running marketing apart from myself I don't have anything in place to automatically post pictures on Instagram I just try and keep as consistent as possible um, but in terms of everything else email marketing MailChimp Refersion Shopify those kind of my three main go-to's um, but other than that, yeah, that's, that's, those are pretty much the, the staple ones. Can you take us through how, what, what would you consider is, a, and what are the factors that go into selecting a successful affiliate partner? Um, yeah, sure. So I'm I always, the first thing I always look for is obviously that passion in fitness. Um, you wouldn't believe the amount of people that message me and, you know, say they, they want to join the affiliate team yeah, they have no pictures in the gym or clearly have no interest in, in, you know, that active lifestyle. So that'll always be the number one. And then the number two, I always want to make it very clear to them that this isn't one of those schemes where you get a free product straight away. Um, you know, I make it clear that kind of the way our scheme works is you get a free product after a certain amount of sales, but you make commission. Um, we do, I do like giveaways with the affiliates and stuff like that. So kind of, I want to make sure one, they're not in it just for a free item that two, they have a genuine passion for fitness and that three, they actually believe in the brand and they actually do care about what we're creating. And fourth, ideally someone who doesn't promote too many brands either. Um, again, I see that as well. You know, I'll, I'll have a message off of someone saying, I'd love to join the affiliate team and they're promoting three or four other gym brands as well as supplement companies and stuff. Um, without being too picky, I'd prefer if they were to just kind of have just be quite selective with what companies they do work with. Um, so those are kind of the four main go-to things I would look at. 
And is affiliate marketing the your main kind of your core sales channel? Um, I wouldn't say main. Um, I would say it it helps build the brand awareness more than it does sales. I think because the people that I select don't necessarily majority of them have under you know three thousand followers on Instagram. Rather than those converting into sales, it is a lot more about just that brand awareness coming out. And I've noticed ever since the affiliate team has grown and expanded that more people have heard about the brand, whether it be just, you know, for a friend of a friend of a friend and those kind of things. So it's more about building that word of mouth um, and, and getting the brand name out there. But it does help with sales, but it's not the main uh, sales channel. Have you seen any uh, correlation between the amount of followers and the effectiveness of those campaigns? Uh, for example, does, does a person uh, like a small time influencer or a, uh, an account works better than one with uh, 20 or 30,000 followers, for example? Um, I would say, depending on how many people you would have with those small amount of, so say, for example, you're calling them a micro, micro influencer. Um, if you have a large number of them, I think consistently that would increase your social media growing or, you know, growth rather than getting one micro or, or macro influencer every so often. I don't have a massive budget and I'm sure a lot of brands in the same situation as me wouldn't either. They can't afford to get you know, someone with a million followers to post their brand every single month. Um, so I think the accumulation of kind of those micro, micro influencers over a long period of time, constantly promoting, does does help your Instagram growth and your social media handles, definitely. And from what you say, uh, I get that Instagram is probably one of your main uh, platforms as well, where you're very active and you get most of your communication about. Is that true? Yeah, I think Instagram, Instagram and Facebook... Um, just because it's kind of very image orientated and in this kind of industry, you know, you, you are essentially selling the product via a picture. So, um, it's very, it's, it's, it's helpful to have that platform. Twitter is good, but I'm not as heavily involved in Twitter as I am in, in the likes of Instagram and Facebook. Can you take us through how you think about creating content and then distributing that on all the different platforms? Yeah, sure. So um, what we'll essentially do is to try and keep um, costs as low as possible. Um, and this is, is what I would advise for a lot of brands just starting out is um, we obviously make orders from our suppliers and then we'll launch in one go. So we aim to launch every, you know, three, two to three months, maybe sometimes four months, depending on delays and, and stuff like that. Um, so what we'll always do is I'll always arrange one big photo shoot where I'll get five, three, four, five models out all in one day. And we'll all go around, for example, our last shoot was in central London. We went to four different locations with five different models and all of them on a new, on a new line with one photographer. Um, and that gives you one, so many different styles because you've got different people and different outfits, but then two also gives you, you know, again, different styles in terms of the imagery because you're in different locations. Um, so I mean, we walk away from a day shoot like that with probably anywhere between 150 to 200 images all edited. Um, so that obviously means you're only paying that photographer for one day, right? Which saves obviously the business money. But then on top of that, you do get a wide variety of images that you can use. Um, and then from there, I just try and filter that out with old imagery and stuff like that, as well as um, I'll post bits and bobs um, from things like I'll have a photography of, of a boxing ring that's empty and I'll post that and do a caption and try and get engagement within that caption. So for example, one of the ones I've done recently was I post like an old school gym picture that kind of blended into all the content we're really posting. 
and the question in it was who would like to you know who would like to train in this old style gym comment below um all those kind of things just to try and get engagement but then also you're still pushing content out without constantly trying to sell someone something every post and that's something i think that a lot of brands need to not realize but need to reconsider is as a consumer you get very bored constantly seeing you know the same t-shirt the same jacket the same joggers constantly over and over and over again being sold at you so it's nice to kind of promote some content that, that kind of increases that engagement without actually physically selling in that product when it comes to customer experience what are some of the barriers that you've seen and witnessed your customers have when it comes to shopping from you um i think definitely international orders is probably the biggest pain um just because of the cost of international shipping um as much as i'd love to bring that down obviously there's no way you can get around those costs um so i think that's that's probably the biggest pain um other than that there's not really in, in my personal experience uh, my personal experience not really much that's been an issue i've i've not really had many returns I've not really had many complaints, um, if any, actually. Um, if anyone ever has an issue with a product, whether that be it where it's faulty or they want another size, I'll immediately do it. No, no questions asked. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's not really had many issues. It is just that international shipping. Yeah, no, that's a challenge. And we know from our own experience as well, uh, it takes a lot of uh, effort to figure out the right the right systems, the right the right companies to work with, and especially when you're just starting out, it's not that easy to get all the nice quotes, especially when yeah. you're shipping far away. Yeah, exactly. And then obviously you've got to think about the consumers still has to pay those custom charges as well. So that's definitely going to deter them from purchasing from your store if they're in you know lots of United States or Canada. Um, so that's probably the, the the biggest challenge that I've got in terms of user experience. Right. And okay, take us to the future. So what's, what are the plans for your brand, for your company to into, until the end of the year or the next 12 months, let's say? Um, so I think definitely one of the main aims for the brand at the minute is to kind of create a streamlined production um, whereby we can bring pro products from inception to market within that three to four week range. Um, as long as we can keep consistently doing that, it will help us keep up with the likes of, you know, Gymshark and the bigger brands that are literally doing that. Um, obviously, the benefits of bringing out more products, you know, as you know, massive. There's, you know, increase from increased on-site search engine optimization to, you know, more more variety for people, more colorways, more products, uh, more inventory, all those kinds of things. So that's one of the main aims that I want to get kind of moving on within the next six to twelve months. Um, but then on top of that as well is definitely focus more heavily on influencer marketing. Um, I definitely want to take a big chunk of the marketing budget and, and focus on that influencer marketing, try and get some people in the industry to be wearing these products, get the brand name out and hopefully see, you know, good ROI on that. And um, I mean, those are really the main things, obviously little miscellaneous um, goals and, and things that we need to sort out between now and the end of the year. Um, but those would be the main main two things that I want to focus on. Great. And where can people go online to find out more about the brand, about yourself, and just to get in touch if they're interested? Um, so if you want to go on the website, it's literally www.absolutefitnessapparel.co.uk. Um, Instagram is just Absolute Fitness Apparel. Uh, Facebook is the same. And Twitter, 
I'm not even going to bother with Twitter because it's a little bit of a hard one. Absolute Fitness Apparel is too long. So um, we had to kind of abbreviate it. So um, yeah, no, but those those are the main platforms we use. Um, all of all of the social media handles are linked at the bottom of our website, anyways. Okay, yeah, we're going to link it as well in the show notes and sure. that accompany this uh, podcast episode as well. Okay, appreciate that. Thank you. Well, that's it, uh, Anthony. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it and found it valuable, we would really appreciate your support by liking, rating, subscribing to the Early Days podcast. This program is produced and hosted by Dulo, that's me and Julian. And as we mentioned in the very beginning, we make non-iron dress sheets from performance fabrics. If you want to learn more, head over to wearedulo.com, that's W-E-A-R-D-U-L-O.com and take a look at our products, our story and the journey of how we're building the business. Until next time, bye-bye.